0: wheels are rolling rolling all along the highway wheels that keep a rolling all the night and day singing a song of the men
1: behind the motor trucks a song of safety and service all along the way hey welcome to another episode of the classic pickup podcast i'm your host michael whips and i hope you enjoy this episode Episode 46. This week I talked to Ryan Solomon. He's got a 71 Ford F100 build going on and uh, been going on for a little while. We have a really good chat about the build. Want to thank a few guys for touching base. I haven't had an episode out for a couple of weeks and a few guys just uh, private messaged me and just checking everything was okay. So thanks for doing that. Um, Everything is okay. I'm just a bit busy at the moment. And then last week uh, I had a, a guy lined up and and he pulled the pin on me sort of last minute. And so I wasn't able to get an episode out. But he uh, he's in Baghdad. He's got a C10 truck over in Baghdad. So really looking forward to chatting with him. Just such a different world. And um, working on a few of the C10 guys out of Germany as well. So we'll have some interesting international ones coming up. But um, yeah, sometimes you, you organise um, an interview and then, you know, life gets in the way and either I have to cancel or they have to cancel. So it can be tricky. I really wanted to... Um, talk about the Patreon that that I started. Um, So it's at www.patreon.com forward slash classic pickup podcast. So Patreon, I've discussed it a bit before. It's just a little way for listeners to, uh, you know, if you're enjoying the content and you want to support it uh, just to donate monthly, like a small subscription, Uh, you can choose how much you want to donate. So I really want to thank a couple of guys who jumped on board and signed up to be Patreon for us, Uh, Jared Baines was our first one and Steve Gilbert thanks guys I really appreciate your support you know it's just a not a lot of money but it, it'll it add up and, and slowly help just to at least cover the cost of the podcast I think I've mentioned before I don't want to sound like I'm banging on but you know I pay 20 bucks a month to um to host it and there's another 20 bucks a month for the software I use for recording and, and then there's all my time so I'm not doing this podcast to make any money but I'm kind of not doing it to lose money either so appreciate a bit of support it's really great I also wanted to uh, just read out a few uh, of the Apple five star reviews that we've had. Um, I haven't really had a chance to do that yet. So, just a quick shout out. I won't read them all, but just the guys who have taken a minute to to write a review. So, there's Jimbo Sabe, antman 52, Merilicious, Ray Ray 5758, Nickadonna, Big Perry, Q R. That's a good one. I think I know who it is on 67 uh the camera riverside fabrication dope player and 64 at4 dodge these guys have taken a bit of time to type out a bit of a review which is really good helps people when they're looking at the podcast get a bit of an idea of what it's all about so i appreciate everyone uh just listening um i appreciate anyone that reaches out and gives a bit of feedback uh it's it's great stuff i'm currently in south australia i came over here for a friend's birthday and uh been enjoying seeing the coast haven't been in the ocean for a while so it's been good to get away and finally sit down and get this podcast out so enjoy this one it's a good chat uh ryan a lot of you might recognize his name he's a ninja warrior competitor and we have a little bit of chat towards the end of the podcast about his experience doing that so without further ado uh ryan solomon 71 f100 build ryan thanks for coming on the podcast and having a chat mate appreciate you making the time
0: yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: No, that's good. Um, definitely uh, was intrigued when you sent me a message a little while ago about your build and uh, and good to have a chat about it. And, and we all always need a few more Fords on the podcast. Chevys tend to, to be the uh, more popular truck. I don't, I've got a feeling it's mainly because I've got a Chevy and that's the pages I follow the most, but um, it's good to get a mixture. So yeah, really keen to have a chat. So why don't you, you start us off, um, you know, I'll be real original and, and ask the same question I always do. What what was your early influences in automotive stuff? Was your dad a, a car guy or, or how did that all happen for you?
0: Uh, yeah, I think my, my old man has definitely always been into cars. He used to race off-road. Um, I guess he had a Rodeo that he raced in an off-road class. I, I was probably too young to really remember what it was, but it was basically... A, a street registered rodeo eighty something model, and him and the uh, and my uncle sort of built it up just in the garage, and used to drive it to the events and race it, and I used to go out there with mum and that, and and watch. And yeah, that's probably what I remember that that being parked under the under the house at home, and him just always playing on it. And uh, yeah, that's probably the earliest memories I have.
1: Yeah, and did, and would he work on that? Like, would he bring it home and pull it apart and, you know, build it and you'd be around for that sort of stuff or was that done by a workshop?
0: Yeah, he, he, he did everything himself. Um, as far as I can remember, I would have been, oh, you know, five or six or something at that, that stage. So it's was, it was pretty hard to think back, but he, he always had four drives and, um, yeah, I remember just having, you know, big jacked-up Hiluxes that he was just working on and, and then him telling me back yeah, when I was a bit older, you know, teaching me everything under the bonnet, pointing at bits and pieces, saying, what's that? Alternative battery, you know, learning all the bits and pieces, which, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm hoping to do with my little boy sometime soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome to be able to pass that knowledge on. And it, it's, it's a pretty amazing bond. You know, it's like, I guess you can kind of compare it to football. You know, if someone's a Collingwood supporter it's probably because their dad was a Collingwood supporter and you get brainwashed into it and it's sort of a similar thing with these vehicles I guess.
0: Yeah yeah that's it but um, apart from apart from the 4 drives it was nothing serious like uh, I think the race car got sold and he just got really stuck into work Um, and that was kind of the end of that he never really got back into it he just sort of worked and, and did other things.
1: Yeah, and so what? how did that influence you? You know, Was your first car a four-wheel drive or, or did you go a different direction?
0: Um, I think my first car well, was pretty, pretty embarrassing, but it was like a 70-something Corolla that I bought for a bottle of rum from one of dad's mates and fixed that up and got it registered all before I had a license. And I, I think we ended up selling it for, I don't know, 1,500 bucks or something someone else was was, uh, bought, done up and sold before I even had a chance to really drive it. But um, my first car was my old man sort of and and, uh, his little toy had a MR2 one of the SW20s and um, he bought that a few years before I got my license and was his sort of little toy that he'd take out on weekends and um, yeah, eventually I nagged him enough to let me drive it and started taking it to school and that was probably what really got me hooked, having a pretty fun little car to drive around in.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Was that a soft top?
0: It was the target top. Yeah, so it was the it was in the '90s shape, so it wasn't that new one, but the the shape in the middle there. <laughs> call it the poor man's Ferrari. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, you what well, you grew up in in Brizzy.
0: Yeah, Brizzy.
1: Nice and sunny and beachy. So, so that probably leads me into a question I'm quite interested in is, you know, you're, uh, you're quite the free ride jet ski guy. You know, you, you're a sponsored athlete, I guess. What, what's the situation with that?
0: Uh, yeah. So I've been doing it for just about 10 years now, stand up jet skiing. And, um, yeah, I just had a mate that had one, one day and, uh, took it for a ride and yeah, ended up buying it off him. And, and yeah, years later, I, I did the world tour a couple of years ago and, um, I think you ended up seventh overall after the tour and and uh yeah that was a heap of fun and, and yeah, just kicking around a few events in Australia. It's it's died off a little bit recently, but um there was one on the weekend just at Sunshine Coast, uh didn't get to ride because, uh got a bit of a back problem at the moment. But uh it's so much fun. It's uh honestly it's like riding a dirt bike in the ocean and doesn't hurt as much when you fall off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got I've got my dirt bike sitting here behind me. Uh, yeah,
0: I don't, ski. I don't know if you can see it behind me there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can. No, that's cool. So um so what what's your current vehicle you would drive daily? Like are you you got just a sort of a modern regular car or do you have an old classic apart from the truck you're building?
0: Oh I tell you what, if if the boss let me, I'd uh I'd snap up a, a utility-backed Chevy something four drive or, or something low, but, uh, no, nah, I just got the boring old Triton full drive, um, set up for work. I'm a plumber so run my own business. So, uh, gotta have something reliable and not dropping oil on people's driveways, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: that, that happens a lot. My, um, my land cruiser has got a hydraulic crane on the back of it and, uh, okay. and it, Every time I, because I, I build these fire pits, so I deliver them to people's property. And I always got to park on the grass on the nature strip because I know when I use my crane to unload, the thing just shits oil, shits oil out the bottom. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've done it on a few driveways and it's embarrassing. So, no, that's cool. So, tell us about this uh, F100. It's a 71. Um, it's a bump side. How did you, how did you get it and, and were you looking for it when you did get it?
0: So it's a funny story, the truck. Um, Basically, my dad's known the truck his whole life. So the the people that bought it brand new were my grandparents' neighbors. And they lived across the road and spent a lot of time at my grandparents' place growing up. And I always remember this thing, this white thing. It was not jacked up, but when you're a kid, it thing looks huge. You think it's a monster truck. Um, It had 32s on it. Which just on sunraiser rims and a big canopy on the back and it was just always parked on the street out the front. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, it was a probably 10 years ago or so now. Um, the, the old lady's son just had no, no time for it or anything. And, um, yeah, offered the truck to us. My, my dad had always seen it, you know, growing up and tried to buy it off him a bunch of times. And basically he, uh, Gave us a price that was too good to turn down, and uh, it hadn't been driven in years. And uh, yeah, pushed it across the road in my grandparents' yard, and it, it, it would start, but the the master cylinder for the clutch master cylinder and brake were were shot, so uh, had to pull them out and just whip them down the road. There was a master cylinder exchange only 500 meters down the road, so we yeah, got them recoded and plugged them in and drove it home.
1: Perfect. And and what engine did that have originally?
0: It had the 300 um, straight six, and uh, yeah, basically one owner. The thing had never left the never left uh, the little suburb, and uh, it only has 38,000 miles on it from new, which is pretty cool. Got the got the dash there, and that's it. Definitely didn't drive like it only had 38,000 miles on it, but uh, little things like the bonnet and the doors and everything just they open and close like they were brand new.
1: Yeah, they're they're a real good motor, those three hundreds. I had a sixty I think it was a sixty-five F six hundred for a little while that I ended up selling, but yeah, it had a three hundred in it. We got that thing running and yeah, they, they're a real good strong motor.
0: Yeah, it was great. For for what it was, it was great and just had the four speed with um you know that crawler first gear that you basically don't even use. But you could you could just dump the clutch in second and it'd fry those thirty two inch I don't think that muddies or all trains that were on it just spin them up. It was, it was pretty funny thing to drive.
1: Oh, that's cool. So, so when you, so did you acquire that or did your dad acquire it? Who, who took ownership of that 10 years ago? Uh,
0: Well, we put it in my dad's name. um, And yeah, I was living at home when we, when, uh, when we got that. So it was just kind of like our truck, I guess he, he paid for the rego. So he put it in his name. Um, But yeah, it just, sat at home we just drove it on weekends and that uh it it, it was fun to drive but i'd never really driven an old old uh, truck before or or really an old car um it was just straight up scary for me um you know it had no the no power steering thing was fine i could deal with that but the the drum brakes all around that weren't power assisted which is a nightmare and the play that i had in the steering wheel you'd be driving down the road and Coming up to a green light, you'd already be ready to put the brakes on and you kind of lightly put the brake on and you start to feel which way it wants to pull and just hold the steering wheel against it and then slam the brakes on. It, uh, yeah, it was sketchy. And it I just, just kind of got pushed to the side for a little bit because of that. I got, I got sick of driving it and, and the, the back wheels would lock up all the time and I was just like, fuck, it's a piece of shit. And, and I probably didn't appreciate what it was like to drive an old car at the time either was, is probably the other problem.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so then at what, at what stage did you start to create this idea in your head that you were going to do something to it? And, and what, what were your thoughts at that stage of what you wanted to do?
0: I think at the time I had a BA XR8 ute that I was driving and I was just like, man, if we could make this old truck drive like this ute, that'd be just unreal. Um, so it was kind of the plan. I really only wanted, um, disc brakes to be honest. And I bought a set of, um, I beams that had a disc brake conversion on it. And I thought, oh, I, 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 uh, pulled the cab off and everything. I thought, oh, if I'm going to pull the front out, I may as well just paint all the chassis and that. And then I'll put the, put the disc brakes in and, and keep driving it. And then, yeah, one thing led to another talking to, you know, dad's mates and, They'd be like, no, nah, get piss piss that I beam stuff off and get a jag front end and they'll drive like a car and basically just spiral it out of control from there.
1: A very common story, that one. The minute the minute you take your cab off your truck, it's like, oh look at all this other stuff I should do. And then yeah, yeah time flies by. So, so you you have a rendering that I saw that you got done. Is that did you get that done or is that just another rendering that's similar to what you want to do?
0: That was exactly what I wanted to do. And I pinched it off someone's Instagram. It might've been like Fat Fender Garage or something, posted it. And all I did was um, flip the image in, in my little iPhone editor and turned it into a right-hand drive truck. <laughs> so it looked pretty sweet. Uh, but it was basically exactly what I wanted to do. Everything, black wheels, no chrome, that Nardo gray kind of primary color. Um, yeah that was kind of the inspo for the truck um a long time back but but yeah getting time to get it to that point was hard yeah
1: i'm i'm looking at your truck right now and it doesn't have black wheels
0: no they uh they've actually they're off a hq or something because the jag stud pattern's the same and it's got the jag rear end in it um they will be black of the center hub is slightly different from the hqs to the jag so they got to get machined so they locate on that little hub ring better. And once I, I've just been using them to push it around with, but once I rip them tires off, I want to get some bigger tires for it too. So pull them off, get them machined and paint it all at the same time. Yeah. So they look like 20s, are they? Yeah, 20s, 20 by 10s, I think they are, or 20 by 11s on the back and 20 by nine and a half on the front.
1: Yeah, cool. So you'll just blast and powder coat them?
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh, I don't even know about powder coat, probably just paint. One of my mates has got a panel shop and um, he's blacked out a bunch of wheels for us and yeah, just painting them doesn't really seem much different to powder coating with, with all the other cars I've done. Yeah,
1: yeah, cool. Um, so what other cars have you built?
0: Uh, oh, well, bought, bought the the wife a um, little mum wagon Prado and got rid of her old little little uh, single life car to get the family wagon and it was black and we just got all the, all the bits blacked out on it, all the chrome and the wheels and everything, make it look cool. And uh, what have we done? Oh, I did our last car wheels, the little Audi Q3 and got the wheels all blacked out and a little bit of a theme, but this truck definitely won't be black like the other ones.
1: So current situation, you've had the truck for 10 years, yeah, how long would you how long would you say that you've been building it?
0: At least Facebook reminds me of this which is pretty pretty depressing some years, but um I think it's been pulled apart for about 7 years. I probably had it for a little bit over 10. I think I drove it for about 3 or 4 years as it was and um and yeah, it's definitely been pulled apart for at least 6 7 years. Uh yeah, the, the first thing was I pulled the um pulled the cab doors, bonnet everything off and took it down to a local sandblasting place and i thought oh yeah like the car it looked absolutely straight there wasn't a dent in the thing um and then yeah got it all blasted got got it back and picked it up they primed it for me and just to discover just so much rust um one thing i hadn't really thought of was that the truck lived one block back from the waterfront its whole life um most of the time under a house but yeah the Salt air hasn't done it any favors. It's not terrible, but there's a few spots that are real bad. So some ways I lift, I wish I left it all original and, 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 uh, did other bits first, but yeah, I'm kind of glad I did. Cause yeah, it's, a, I opened up a real can of worms with that, which, which kind of put the bodywork on a little bit of a back burner and, and concentrated on doing the other bits. Yeah.
1: And then it's got a, it's got Jag front and rear end in it. Did they, Did they come out of, like, did you have a donor vehicle or did you just find them somewhere and buy them?
0: Yeah, I bought a whole car. Um, As soon as someone put me on to the whole Jag thing, I knew nothing about it. I just looked up Jag XJ6. I didn't really know much about Series 1, 2, 3 and the differences between them. Um, And, yeah, I just found this car for 500 bucks. It was nearly rusted in half. Um, Dragged it home and dropped the front and rear end out cut it up into a bunch of pieces and took it to the dump. Yeah, that's
1: about where a rusty L jag should be. So do you know what
0: series it was? It was a series one, which which is one of the things I wish I did a little bit more research into. Um, but saying that, like after talking to the engineer that I got on board um, for this build and he was more than happy with it. He said, you know, it's not the best option, but um, yeah, it is what it is. I put all brand new brakes, Bushes, bearings, every nut and bolt for the whole front and rear ends all brand new. Um, Had the calipers rebuilt. Um, Yeah, so it's basically brand new.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got disc brakes all around. You've got independent suspension. You've got power steering. You know, you've got the main stuff you need, haven't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I've actually recently just got a Series 3 front end that I'm just going to keep. Until it's, I figure I don't want to do too many things twice, but I'm just going to keep it tucked in the back of the shed. And once it's all driving, if, if the solid front discs are no good, then I'll, um, there's an option to get a caliper spacer and run a vented disc on the front, but you're still stuck with the three-pot Series 1 calipers, uh, which I say aren't bad, but um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in the mindset now of just get it going. And then if it's no good, then change it down the track and that's what i'm gonna do with the with the front end at least anyway yep
1: and it's on its original chassis still like you haven't you haven't chopped it up or swapped it out for something horrible it's it's an original f100 chassis
0: yeah original chassis um i had a shop um bmv engineering at sunny coast was who i took it to to do the um the front and rear ends originally and uh, I, and even when i took it to them they came recommended from my engineer and he said oh you know these guys do good work and didn't know much about them or anything. And, and what they gave back to me, I was just jaw hit the floor with, with what they were. He was telling me these things Oh, we're boxing the chassis where there these tubular cross members are like, yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. yeah yeah, just give it back. Good. And then when I went to pick it up, I was like, holy shit, this thing looks like a complete custom aftermarket chassis. It's it's box, the C section front to rear they've turned. Cause they have this real ugly, um, like the C it, Turns open on the bottom towards the back, so it's not even a C. It's just this opened up, ugly thing. And they've heated it up and bent it back around, so it's like a perfect square, boxed it, and yeah, thing looked brand new.
1: I think it's a really good idea. You know, if, if your engineer recommends an engineering shop to do some work, then that you've just they've made your life easier straight away because you can be confident that. You know he knows that shop and and he'll not that he'll just pass anything just because they did it but he's he's got confidence in their work already which is a huge thing i just i just had that with my engineer looking for a four link kit i wanted to build a four link for my truck and he said you know he basically just said to me if you go get one from mcdonald's brothers engineering i'll just engineer it because i know they're right and i was like yes sir that's what i'll do you know so no point in reinventing the wheel or or making things harder you know if, if you create something custom, your engineer's got to sit there and do all the calculations and work it out. Whereas if he if he trusts a good shop like that, then, yeah, I reckon that's the way to go. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah, well, before that, I kind of had my old man giving me a hand with it. I was taking up the double garage at home, which um, they weren't too happy about. I had parts everywhere, kind of like how my shed is at the moment. But um, we basically had the truck sitting on the, the bare rails, the front and rear end pulled out, and I had the front end sitting underneath there and the back end still in that original Jag cage. And we were working out, oh, how can we bolt it in? And every way I was looking at it, I was like, the truck's not even going to end up that low. Um and the the whole thing was ugly. I don't even know how you're supposed to work on those rear ends with them inside those cages. But um it was going to end up exactly the same height as it was as it was originally. And um, I, I could, couldn't get my head around how to fit the front end. And that's when I kind of pushed my dad's advice aside. Cause he's a bit, of he's a bit like, yeah, nah, close enough. Good enough. Um, and then that's where you know, I got into the engineer and he steered us in the right direction and I'm so glad I did. Cause it's, it's little things like, you know, I was, had the frame all leveled up and squared, just sitting on the garage floor on jack stands. And you try to do measurements and you think it's all right, but it wasn't until the guys put it on the on the um the chassis jig at the shop and he was like, mate, the the rails are out of parallel by 30 mil and on the piss and this is bent and that's bent and um that's when you and, and, and the flexibility that was in that thing, I had it sitting on the jack stands. I could lift up one when it was a bare chassis, you could lift up one corner of the front rail and the other side wouldn't even lift up at all. Um and now the thing when it's when it sat on the stands, you could lift that one corner and the whole chassis lifts off the ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but they were they were originally engineered to flex like that. You know, they 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 didn't have a super powerful engine, they had, you know, leaf spring rear suspension. So everything moves as a unit, but once you're doing what you're doing, you're putting an independent suspension in where you don't really want your frame to move, you want your wheels to move independently and <clears throat> by boxing that all up, it, you know, it really, it makes sense. And it'll handle so much nicer for you now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Mm,
1: that's cool. And then what are we doing engine wise? I You mentioned to me that you originally looked at doing a, uh, a turbo diesel out of a Ford territory. What, what was the thinking there?
0: Yeah. So I, that's, was the plan. Oh, what was the plan from the beginning? I don't really know what the plan was. I didn't want that big 300. I hated the, um, putting the leaded additive into it every time and worrying if I lent it to someone and they forgot to do it, they'd fuck the engine up or something. And uh, you know, the thing was so bad on fuel, it was probably twice as bad as my BA as the XR eight was and had half the power. Um so I, I just hated it. And I thought I'll do something diesel would be pretty cool. Um one of our family friends had uh, the the dense side that had the Hummer V eight in it, um, but the thing was huge. And I look, I, lo- I like the um, the Cummins or, or or something, some big six cylinder thing. But they were just all too big for what I want to do. I really didn't want to have to hack up the firewall or or have that much weight in it. And then um, I don't even know how I got into it, but um, yeah, I was at the auctions, and I think. It was i was already at the plan to buy this territory but i think there was a xr6 turbo ute there and the territory and, and a couple other things i was looking at just to buy as a donor car and the territory came up first and i just threw a cheap bit at it and got it and i thought oh well just make this work and um yeah got home it was i think it had a, a little front smash but not that bad and a big hit in the rear and i just uh yeah got it home and got stuck into it with the sabre saw and packed everything out of it, pulled the whole loom out front to back, every little plug I labeled and, and stripped it all out, just not knowing what I'd need or if I'd need it. And, uh, and then, yeah, that's, I sent the engine engine gearbox, everything up to BMV, and they made the mounts for it and sent it back basically engine sitting in the chassis and, and, uh, yeah, rolled into, into the garage at home fitted the cab and inner guards. I don't know if I posted photos of it on Instagram with how it was, but basically got the whole thing, just me not knowing a single thing about, you know, automotive electrical work, but I basically just plugged everything back in, how I had it labeled and all the lights came on. Um, I later found out that that model runs a CAN bus, um, like wiring system. That's not really like the, I guess a direct wire you get in the older trucks. Um, so I had to plug everything in. I had just sitting in the floor of the truck. I had the speedo, the HVAC unit sitting there, the the stereo console, steering column, um, everything. And it was just a big loop of wires, like 50 mil thick that just did this big loop through the engine bay, back through the firewall, through the cab, back out through the firewall on the other side. And surprisingly plugged everything in, all the lights came on and it was a Christmas tree on the dash saying all these different errors and that. Um, but I just couldn't get the thing to fire up and everyone I spoke to just had no idea what to do with it. They'd never touched one before. Um, couldn't couldn't clear the error codes off it um, just to, to bypass, the, I guess, the security lockout. It just wouldn't work. And then the more and more I did research into it, <laughs> afterwards <laughs> um they were just like made the, the the way the wiring works on it if you pull out they said it, it, it could it could possibly be done and it wouldn't be cheap but you'd have to use pretty much the dashboard like everything would have to be used the instrument cluster part of the steering column you'd have to hack out you know the bit where the key goes and and the hvac unit and everything because if you remove one section of it it just doesn't send the signal around and and it just won't work um so it was a bit of a bummer, um because fitted up I had the everything radiator, everything hooked up, it just looked like it was factory. It looked so rad with the inner guards. I didn't get the outer guards on, but inner guards, radio support, everything it just looked like it was meant to be there and and it was cool just having a Ford badge on the motor as well um and I'd never seen one done before, and there's probably a reason why you shouldn't try and reinvent the wheel sometimes, but um yeah maybe i thought it was gonna change the world or something i don't know but yeah that was a bummer sort of hit a dead end with that and and um i had a it, it's the same motor that's in some of the land rover discoveries and, and a few of the jaguars around europe so I i did some research into that and there's one company i found that did a standalone engine management system for it and it was Three and a half thousand pounds, which was like seven thousand something Aussie by the time you ship it over here. And I just couldn't justify it. it. It would have been really cool, but it was just too much.
1: Yeah, that's that sucks.
0: Yeah. So I just, uh, yeah, ripped it out and it just sat, sat on the, sat on the garage floor in front of the, uh, in front of the truck for a while. And I just kind of got pushed, pushed aside and lost a bit of interest in it for a while, a good while there, at least 12 months or more. I didn't really. even open the garage to look at it. But, um, yeah, one of my grandfather's mate, he's got one of the discoveries with a similar motor in it. He was saying, oh yeah, my grandson's got one of these just laying in his thing. And he had a blown engine. Um, so I ended up, he came and bought the whole thing off me, all the bits and pieces I had. And I didn't lose any money out of, out of buying the territory and parting it out. I, I probably was up by a little bit, but not much, but at least it, it didn't. Um, yeah, it wasn't too much of a, a burden to go down that route and and back up at square one again
1: yeah i mean you you don't know unless you have a have a bit of a crack do you know like the first i'm sure the first guy who ever put an ls in or something you like would have come across all those wiring issues as well and had to solve it all and you know i'm sure that 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 ecu was looking for airbags and looking for you know all sorts of things that your truck's never going to have so yeah it's a bit of a I. I can't do new engines and computers. I I drive all the old stuff for that reason. But ah, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you you've learned a bit and you've had a good experience. So so where are you at now? What what have we decided to do instead?
0: Um, I I was going to go the XR six turbo route, and even when I was looking at that, there wasn't too many people that had done them. Um, I was like, oh, it's it's kind of cool, but that was it wasn't very it wasn't as cheap as well. Stuff with everything with the COVID tax on it now, but it, it it wasn't a very cheap way to buy either buy a complete car and, and strip it out again, or buy the engine box and loom and and then try and figure out everything else you're missing. Uh, it wasn't very cheap, so I don't even know how I stumbled across it, but uh, and I thought about doing there because I really liked my XR8 Ute, um, but I also heard bad things about those modular V8 motors, um. They're just huge and don't really make a lot of power for you know how big they are and they're a bit complex as well in a few different ways. But um I found a AU Ute. Um it's not the XR8 model, but it was a V eight and a manual. And uh it was super cheap. So I went and took it for a drive. The Ute was flogged out, but uh it had had an exhaust system on it and sounded pretty sweet i th- i thought it actually sounded way nicer than the the BA did but um didn't make crazy power but sounded nice And i thought oh it was cheap enough to yeah and and i thought it was basic enough and those motors haven't been in in uh you know the mustangs and and everything for so long in the states i thought it's pretty easy to get bits and pieces and and much simpler on the wiring side than than the diesel was so yeah i jumped on that and that's where we've gone now.
1: All right. So, all new motor mounts. Did did it go back to BMV to sort all that out?
0: No. It's um. I was luckily enough they because they welded the, the tags on the chassis for the um diesel motor and I, was, and all the bracing and everything that went into them. It was, it was done so neat and so solid that I thought I don't even know how it's supposed to cut all this shit out to make the new mounts. I thought I got to try and remake just the actual mount from the chassis to the engine and leave what they've made on the chassis so i wasn't doing that twice and i managed to do it um they're not the most uh groundbreaking looking mounts but um they do the job and and i made the custom gearbox cross member myself and so that's all in and leveled and got pinion angles and everything right so that was that was pretty cool to tick that one off myself
1: yeah, that's cool. And has it? Have you fired it as it as it ran?
0: No. Well, the Ute ran when I had it, but um, I have got. I sent. So I had the whole loom. For, I stripped out the Ute. It sat in my yard for a while, and I was just doing little skids It sat on an old shed pad in my backyard, and I just fired up every now and then to make it make sure it still ran. Um, but yeah, finally, it was uh, pissing off the wife, just saying, "What are you turning our yard into? Get rid of this piece of shit." So. Yeah, got the old man around and ripped everything out of it in a weekend and packed it all up. And I only just, probably two weeks ago, sent the loom up to Killer Custom Cables. Um, they're yeah, not too far from where I am, and um, yeah, they're going to cut down all the all the loom to just the basic bits of what I need. And um, yeah, hopefully get that back and. That's It's pretty close then, fuel tanks in. i I got to run the fuel lines and just a couple of little bits and pieces in it and it should be pretty close to firing up.
1: And what have you got in the way of interior? Do you have you know is the original steering column something that you can integrate into that jag front end, or do you have to put a, a custom column in? What, what's the plans as far as that whole steering geometry setup?
0: Um, I've, I bought a just a universal um, steering column. And I've, I've had that in already and I've mocked it up, trying to work out the linkages around the exhaust. I've got some shorty headers on it that seem to work the best, um, not chasing crazy power in them, but I know the shorties aren't as as good as like long tube headers, but they are just much simpler. And the only way I could do long tube headers is if i got a custom set made and just trying to keep it simple at the moment. So with the shorties, it, it just works. I'm, I'm trying to trying to hook up the steering without using a double uni in the middle. And um yeah, so and I didn't want to cut up all the um double D shaft that came with the steering column. So I've been dummying it up with bits of copper tube I had laying around and it seems to have worked and I've got a bit of a plan for it. But I think I've got to use that double uni and and then use that little brace off the chassis to hold it. But um it all should work pretty pretty well. Um I didn't really like I've got the original steering column still here, but it's all flogged out and rooted so may as well put a new one in
1: so the uh, the plumbing skills are coming in handy with a copper tube steering
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm actually really looking forward to running the fuel lines and brake lines and um it's something i really enjoy at work when you you have the, one of those jobs where you just have to be really neat and uh, you know you've got a six meter length of straight tube and you've got to make it go where it needs to go without looking crap um yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into, uh, you know, doing the plumbing for it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's those little details, like, they don't need to happen. You know, like, no, like even to extent, a lot of time, you do all this work and you put a bed over the top of it and, and it almost never gets seen again. But when you see brake lines or airline, like hard airlines, and they're all done really well and they all flow and follow each other, it's it's a work of art. It's pretty amazing
0: yeah that's exactly what i want to do with it even no one ever sees it it's at least i can say I, I did it all and put it in there and you know i might fuck it up a couple of times but it'll look it'll definitely look mint when it's done
1: awesome so another thing you mentioned to me a little while ago i think i had been chatting to steve mazik maybe on the podcast we caught up with him and he had his engineer come and do a visit and he was trying to get a he was getting a build number sorted out so that you know his his theory, and I, I, this is a question I want to ask you about, is is that once the build number had been locked in with the engineer, he only had to um, meet any of the current rules, and if anything changed in the future, that wouldn't affect him anymore. And, and I think you chatted to me in Messenger, and we, we chatted about that, and you had your engineer coming down. Was that something you looked into? Is the build number thing an actual thing, and, and did you go ahead and do that?
0: no i don't think it's a thing in queensland i asked him about it and that was one thing because after hearing a few of the podcasts of the guys that have been caught out with um you know various stage of their builders builds down south and a bit fingered at the moment having you know rebodied and and, and whatever is the silly laws that they've been stuck with i was that stressed me out and i was like shit, i started this thing so long ago is that going to be me up here but um yeah luckily the engineer i got he just he really knows his stuff and he said oh no it's not really a thing up here with build numbers or anything and uh while there's heaps going on in other states uh, you know as strict as queensland is it's not too much in the works of changing anytime soon oh
1: that's good good to know and and the engineer how often are you having him sort of does he come down and have a look at the build or are you just doing a lot of stuff through email and photos how how are you doing that
0: um, he's only seen it three times. I'm definitely in contact with him a lot. Just before I buy stuff, because I was, um, I think it was even before, before before I got the Jag, I was asking him about Mustang twos and and um, different front ends that out of the states. And um, yeah, he 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 recommended the Jag as well, and said just go down there. He's done hundreds of them, Chevys, Dodgers, F trucks. Everything he's done them in, and he said they're just they're easy, they're pretty heavy duty, you know maybe they're old school, but um, they've tried and tested, so uh, yeah, and so the, the little things like that, I'll be asking, you know, can you pass this? Can you pass that? you know, buying various bits from here and there, and so I'm always in contact with him. He's a good bloke he, he doesn't live too far from where I am as well, so I think he saw the saw the truck at BMV when they originally did all the work. Um and then he's just seen it recently with engine mounts and gearbox cross members and just everything fully welded in chassis wise, he said it's complete. Um it's just everything else that goes after that, yeah.
1: Oh that's that's great. Just while I think about it, you were talking about um doing really neat airlines and stuff like that. There's a guy on his Instagram, I don't know whether you've seen his work or not. He calls himself Arizona High Test. So it's Arizona underscore yeah. So, the guy's name's Jason Berlin, and he—you uh, would call him an artist. He's a chassis artist. Like his stuff is just really cool. So, anyone that's listening and you wanna you wanna see some very detailed airlines and and brake lines, check out. uh it's at Arizona underscore I underscore test. Yeah, but his um, his chassis. Yeah, his work's unbelievable. It's just. Uh, it's a shame to put an engine and a cab and a, and a bed on top of it. It's crazy.
0: That's good. I followed that just then. So um, it's it's good to see because I got no idea about, you know, I'm still only just ordering fuel and brake lines now. And, you know, I was hitting up my en- engine, my, my mechanic that's going to do a, a freshen up on the engine. So I was like, what size fuel lines am I running? Is it three eight, half inch, three quarter? Like, I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> I, the flow and return the same. I got no idea. I know how to do it, but I don't really know what I'm doing yet. So I'm kind of learning along the way. And one of those things you can't really stuff up. You just might have to do it a couple of times.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a classic thing when you when you're doing your first build like this, which I guess you are and, and I am as well. And you know, once you know, say you've done two or three trucks over your over your period of time, you're a bit older than us and you've sold them on you've got a better idea of little things you've got to think about like you know say when you took the suspension out of that jag and you took the jag to the tip you could quite easily have found out a week later that uh, i would have been ideal if you kept this one other piece that you didn't know about and all of a sudden it's gone you know and and i found that when, when we were pulling the dodge ram apart getting the engine for my truck i was going to take the fuel tank i was like well I'll, I'll take the fuel tank so it's got the correct sender and all this sort of stuff and and you know, like I really didn't know enough about it. And, and one of the guys was like, it, you don't know, the fuel pumps on the engine, you don't need the tank to pump the fuel out. You know, you can use any tank you want. And I was like, sweet, so much easier than, you know, all the space that I would have had to have found to ship that back to Australia from America. So yeah, the more you do it. And, and I think for me, this is why we do the podcast. You know, like you can talk about what you, your experience, there might be some guy listening to us right now that's thinking about getting a Ford Territory engine and he's just thinking, oh, maybe I won't do that. Or or he'll shoot you a couple of questions and say, hey, what's the go? So, yeah, the knowledge is, knowledge is king. You know, it saves us time and it saves us money. I mean, like you said, you didn't really lose any money on that, that turbo swap, the diesel swap. But, you know, you probably put a lot of hours into doing all that and stripping those looms apart and pulling the car apart. And, you know, it's, it's a pain in the ass. So the more you, you learn, the more, you know, And a lot of this stuff, you you can't find it out really until you get in there and stuff it up, can you?
0: Yeah, that's it. Especially with the jag stuff, like I had no idea what I was doing. Even when I pulled the rear end out of that cage, I sort of slide the big bolts that hold it all out and it felt like a thousand washers and bearings just fell on the floor. And I was like, fuck, I didn't pay any attention. I was trying to really take all photos and pay attention to where everything went so I could put it back together again. And then, bam, gone. So I was like, all right down to the down to the bookshop to buy a Jaguar XJ6 book to see where how to put it all back together again. That was exciting.
1: Yeah, no, it's a it's a fun little journey that we're all on. So let's get back to your truck. What are you gonna just use your original seat? You're gonna get that reupholstered and a bit of extra foam or you're gonna run some buckets. What what's the thought process?
0: Yeah I'm gonna run a bench, just the original bench. I've got the original frame the seat was rooted. The driver's seat was all past just hanging out. And, um, I think it had duct tape and all sorts of shit holding it together. Um, I've got two seats. I've got an original one still with, and the driver's seat's rooted in driver's side's rooted on that as well. Um, but I'm going to, the way the gearbox, the gear stick comes out with the AU five-speed, it's quite far back. Um, so I'm going to have to do like a little notch in the middle seat um, just cause I really want that seat to be able to slide all the way forward. If, if the missus wants to drive it or something, um, so I'll probably have to hack that up and I got a good mate that does some crazy work with, um, upholstery and he actually has a bump side with a Jag front end in it as well. So, um, we're, you know back and forward talking a fair bit with that. So he'll, he'll be, he'll be building that for us, but it'll be virtually look kind of original. Um, it's annoying. I wish I didn't strip the padding and everything off it because trying to get a feel for where the pedals and steering wheel and everything has to go is just frustrating when you're sitting on a bare frame.
1: Yeah, it might be worth getting that seat done earlier than you think.
0: Yeah, well I keep thinking about doing it and then I was like, ah, I'll probably wreck it and rip it or or something trying to work around it or you know pulling it in and out of the car. I'll do something to it, but uh, I've got the other one underneath the house which I'll I'll drag out when I really need to, but there pain in the ass again in and out on your own and what what's the
1: plan how if if we were if if i ask you this question right now this would be interesting when do you think it's going to be on the road registered
0: man if i had a dollar for every time one of my mates or family members or somebody asked me that i'd have enough money to finish a truck um (laughs) uh, i got no idea i i keep saying i'd like to have it running by the end of the year which is probably a realistic goal but if I could get it running in the next six months, I'd be even happier. Um, but who knows, I keep changing. And, and the more you learn about a build, the more you change your, um, I guess your, not the final goal, but the, the process that you do it in. And you think, oh, well, maybe I'll put all the panel work till the very end and just build it. And I'm not worried about digging it, scratching it, all that stuff. Just, build it and, and fire it up and just roll it in and out the shed under its own power a few times and see what works and doesn't work. And, you know, you got to pull the cab on and off a couple of times and it's not a big deal. But, um, so that I, I was focusing a lot on getting the panel work done and it needs a lot of work and and trying to find a shop to fit it in is, is it's hard beyond what I, I could do. I've replaced the floor on one side and, and the front cab corner myself and taught myself the TIG weld So I could do that and bought a two floor panels repair repair panels to to do both sides they both need doing i've done one and it doesn't look too bad for um someone that's never done it before or even knew how to weld beforehand um but yeah sort of put a hold on doing all that sort of stuff and just more focus on you know i've got solid base of the chassis to work on engine fuel tank everything's in so just work on that side of it and, and get it fired up i'd 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 much rather have it running and moving, um, before I focus too much on, you know, finishing it and getting it regioed. Hmm. You didn't answer my question. Oh yeah, probably <laughs> in the next year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Realistically, oh, there's so much in it though. And you don't even know, like, you know, cause I haven't done it before. Y- you look at the prep work that's got to go into the metal before you paint it. And, and what I would have thought naively, what it would take to paint a truck and probably triple that. Um, yeah, it's not a show car, but it's not a daily. Um, it's somewhere in between there. So <clears throat> I'm sure I have show quality expectations of a paint job on a, on a bloody shoestring budget, which I'm sure is like a lot of people. But I don't know. Realistically, I, I kind of think I'm going to be up for 15, 20 grand for that. So I'm kind of, I want to get, that's why I want to get the truck running and then, you know, save up and have that money there and just go, right, finish it. That's all. All the finishing bits. So, you know, we're about to renovate our house pretty shortly. So, um, I've had a real push to try and get this thing just uh, fired up and moving. Um, yeah, probably. In, if I could get it rolling in the next six months, I'd be very happy. And you know, depending on how how uh, adulting goes with work and and renovating the home, that'll determine when the truck gets finished. But it's probably a good couple of years still, realistically yeah
1: yeah i mean that's the struggle for i'd say most of us if not everyone listening to this podcast you know it's like especially if you have a wife and a family and you run your own business and you're renovating a house you're a you know a jet ski athlete and you know you you compete on ninja warrior which we're going to have a chat about soon i mean you you've got a pretty busy schedule going on so you know, you're not out there every weekend wrenching on the truck eight, eight hours a day. You know, you're you're trying to find an hour here and there to do something, right?
0: Yeah, literally on the weekends, on a Saturday and Sunday, if we're home, I'll be working on the truck between between my toddler's nap time. So I've always got fingers crossed. He'll have a big long nap, like three hours, but it's usually only an hour. By the time you get down, set your tools up. I'm always constantly thinking about what I want to do next on it. And you know, if I've got five minutes, I'll run down and do that. But um, yeah, it's, you know, realistically only get an hour, two hours a weekend, even a fortnight to to properly spend on it. Um, you don't get a lot done, but you do get more than you think. And um, and I think that's the biggest thing too, just do a little bit. Um, and the biggest thing with this truck is it's never needed to be finished for anything. I haven't needed the truck to for work or, you know, I haven't wanted to finish it for a show or anything like that. It's just kind of been a hobby that's just been plodding away in the background um and uh that's why it's taken so long i think
1: and is your final plan to have it as a full rego or, or will you have it like on historic plates and just have it as a weekend cruiser
0: yeah i um it'll be full rego as much as the v8 rego sucks in queensland i think it's like 1200 bucks or something now but um I'd, I'd i like the idea of just having it full rego full insurance just get on it Get in it. Go down the shops. Do whatever you want. Drive to the coast. Drive to Sydney. Drive to Melbourne. Like just go if you want, and and then build it to be that reliable as well. Um, that's always been the plan for it.
1: Yeah. So, so in Queensland, your registration because you've got a V eight engines a hell of a lot higher than if you had a V a, a straight six or a V six.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's getting up there though because I just got my triton renewal the other day and even just bloody four cylinder diesel was like just under 800 bucks for a 12 months so yeah i'm sure that used to be less
1: yeah yeah but i just bought an 80 series land cruiser and full use rego on that was just under 700 down here in victoria so not a big difference but yeah it's uh yeah 1200 bucks is a lot isn't it for a v8 jesus
0: yeah i'm pretty sure it was pretty close to that back in the day when i had the when i had the v8 ute hmm. but uh yeah it's it's one of those things i guess the older you get when, when i was younger it was a big deal saving up for rego every year when i had that bloody ute being a being a plumbing apprentice but um uh, it's it's not i think it's a small price to pay to drive a, a cool old truck
1: oh totally yeah yeah you can't put a price on it so Let's go back to the very first day that you pulled the cab off and, and decided to do a bit of work on the truck. If you could talk to yourself now back then and give yourself a bit of advice, what, what do you think you'd do differently?
0: That's a funny question because I keep think, I've, I've thought about it a lot after listening to a few of your podcasts and, and saying, you know what would you do different?" And I've been thinking about it a lot. And as much as I think I'd like to have kept all the original paint and everything because um, it looked okay uh, it really was garbage underneath and you know I know you like your your patina and and that and it and it would have looked very cool but it was really garbage the bonnets full of pinholes you know right across the top of the windscreen was is rooted and needs replacing entirely you know the cab corner one of the the, the passenger cab corner was just about rotted all the way through There wasn't even attached from the sill to the cab corner um, know all those little things you find when you actually take it right back. So, as much as I wish I just you know pulled the cabin tub off, did the chassis, plonk it back on, I'm kind of glad I did. This, my whole thing on this has kind of been like do it right and do it once. But um, made a couple little mistakes, but nothing too too major. And and I think that's probably again why it's taken so long. You know, you save up and you know, chassis cost a bit, but it's done right and. It, Never have to do it again.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there's no point spending 30 40 50 60 grand on a truck, and it's still got rust all through it. And and you know, like you say, I I mean, I bang on about patina all the time, but I like patina. I don't like rust. And
0: yeah.
1: by the time my truck, by the time my truck's on the road, the complete floor, the whole firewall's been replaced. Uh, both the cab corners are getting replaced at the moment, inner and outer. They're all. That's why it's on the rotisserie, like you see behind me. Yeah. Um, you know, I there's, and this is something that, that I struggle with a lot of the time that people post up that they, their car is a patina car. It's just a rusted out piece of shit. And there's a, to me, there's a big difference between solid metalwork with a bit of a, you know, a bit of surface patina rust versus you can stick a pen through holes. Like that's not patina, that's just holes in your car. That's rust and it needs to be fixed. So, yeah, it's it's definitely like especially like you say you live on the coast, the truck's been on the coast its whole life. You want to hand that truck down to your son, you know, in thirty years time or something like that. You don't want to be handing him something that looks like a sieve. You want a nice solid truck that that runs and you know, I think you're hundred percent doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, I think and I think a little bit too, maybe I wish I did kept it driving. And and just did bits that you could probably tackle on a weekend. And that's my advice I give to a lot of guys. I get heaps of people. I try to comment pretty actively on a few of the F truck pages and there's a JAG IFS IRS swap page on Facebook getting around. And I try to help out as many people on that one and and they sort of end up messaging me saying, Oh, how'd you do this? Can you send me close up pictures of that? And um, you know, I've I've gone through the, the hard yards and expensive yards, and I don't mind sharing my experiences with doing that. Try and help out the next person, but uh, I've, I've got a mate that knows nothing about F trucks, and he's just bought one. And he's like, "Oh, how do I do this? How do I do that?" And I was like, "Mate, just keep it driving. Like, don't take it off the road." It's, it's I wish, I wish I didn't do that for a long time and just tackle those little things that you could probably do on a weekend. Um, you know, change a patch of floor out or or little stuff like that.
1: Yeah, because I guess, I guess, what you're getting at is you, you get to a point where. You kind of almost lose motivation on the truck because it's—it seems you know it's like when you're hiking and and like like your destination's so far it's even out of sight and it seems like a million you know there are a million jobs that you got to do on this truck before you're ever going to drive it. Whereas if you if you can continue to drive it and do little bits and pieces, it it keeps you more motivated. Is that probably what you're saying?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think if I appreciated what it was to drive an old truck more. Um, I would have kept it driving. But I remember when I pulled it down, I was just like, this is a death trap. I'm either going to crash it and then it's just going to be a waste or or I'll bloody kill myself and, and crash it as well. So for that, I it, it didn't even think twice about stripping it down at the time. And, and I didn't know enough about them. I didn't even know you couldn't buy parts for them, um, you know, easily. But it, it's getting better these days with the bump sides, but it's not like the dent sides where you can go to rest bears and, get a door a bonnet a guard rad support um i know classic pickup supplies are pretty good with all that stuff now too um but you know when i first started this there was nothing and i was like Fuck, i'm gonna buy another car out of the states or something to get panels for it yeah
1: it's definitely getting better for Fords. i mean i think chev's have been spoiled for a long time no that's good mate well we're definitely going to um keep touching base with you. we do we do the um the builder catch ups and and you'll definitely be on the list to you know keep you motivated and see what you're up to. So that, let's just talk briefly about your uh, Ninja Warrior experience because we're actually recording tonight because we were lined up to do it tomorrow night, but you're not going to be around because you have to go and uh, and film for season five. So you've been on every season of of the show. Tell us a bit about your experience. You know what you're obviously a pretty fit bloke. What what sort of made you put your hand up the first time around?
0: um it was funny my mum sent me the like casting email for it because she's been a, a huge fan of the american series i never even heard of it it was just like that crazy youtube videos you watch um and uh never thought too much of it and um it basically sent me the link i filled it out and then got accepted and went shit i better learn some stuff about this ninja warrior i never trained it or anything and that that was right when i was in the middle of um I think I'd just come off the world tour with jet skiing and the, that, that functional kind of training you do, Yeah, you know, it's uh, the the guys that used to train me for that sort of trained pro motocross riders. And it's very similar sort of, you know, high intensity training. Um, yeah. The first season of Ninja, I didn't do any like actual training for it and then ended up making the grand final and had an absolute ball doing it. And, uh, I was hooked after that.
1: Yeah. And it seems like these ninja training gyms popped up all over the country. Is there, is there one locally that you use or do you have your own setup?
0: I got a little bit of a setup at home. It's nothing, nothing crazy, but it's definitely enough to, to, you know, burn all the right muscles, but there's a few really cool gyms that have popped up around the place that that aren't too far from home.
1: And you look like you're six foot plus tall. Like you probably don't struggle with the wall too much what what's the hardest part It's just hanging strength with your arms from what i watch it seems to be the the hardest part
0: yeah the hardest one is because i'm pretty heavy i've gone into every season about 90 kilos and um some of these other guys are even down like 50 something kilos um and it's funny you meet all the guys and they're all legends everyone that's on the show is just the nicest people fit as hell um you know, you talk to them backstage and sort of go, "I oh, watch your background? And they're like, oh, I'm an Olympic gymnast. I've went to Commonwealth Games or this and that. And they talk to me and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just a plumber from Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here, but did all right. Um, yeah. Good fun. Yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, we're right in the middle of filming season five at the moment. So back and forward to Sydney a bit with that. Um, that's a lot of fun.
1: Mm, would have been a bit challenging with all the COVID stuff was has that been held up by anything or has it been pretty good up there in
0: Queensland? Oh Queensland's fine we've, we've had it so good we've been very lucky with it but um, I think there was a little hiccup with the start of filming got pushed back about a week and they wanted us to all stay down there for the, the full uh, it was about three and a bit weeks of filming but um, we just had uh, too much on the cards back home and um, that so we were lucky enough to fly in and out after
1: you know filming each night yeah cool awesome all right mate well um we'll probably wrap it up there if if people want to check out your your truck build i know you've got your own instagram page but there's not a lot of truck stuff on there where where's the best place to see see a bit of stuff on this truck
0: i'm actually i've been scrolling through my phone because i've trying to find all the old build picks and I've gathered about 300 or so now from when I first had the truck and that was kind of like pre iPhone times when I first had it. So, you know, it wasn't as easy to snap photos and just keep them on your phone forever. But from as early as I've got them, I've I've built this folder up and I'm just about to just put out a little Instagram page for that. And just as a bit of, a um, a diary of how the truck's been built start at the start and, and you know, jot down what I've done from each picture to the next one and if someone else can use that as a bit of a not a guide but you know see what I've done and do it or don't do it <laughs> but um yeah that page it's called shed yeah which it's uh, just a funny hashtag that I had while building my shed um it's just s h e d y e a h um i haven't posted anything on there yet but I've, I've got all the photos there ready to go i'll be doing that probably while i'm sitting around doing not too much filming ninja But, um, that was, uh, it was the theme for building my shed. Basically every time that the the truck has probably been set back a few years from even being touched since we bought our house, because, uh, you know, I had to build the shed to put the truck in and it wasn't as simple as just building the shed, it's build it, put power in it, line it, get the tools in it, put the lights in and, um, and then every other thing you do when you're renovating a house, it's just. Yeah, you know, we build a fence and I thought, oh, I could, that, that money would have finished my F truck, would have had it running. And then for how much it cost me to build the shed. I was like, that, that would have been the truck finish. And then we did another fence and that would have been the truck finish and the front fence. And then you paint the house and you're like, that oh, that could have gone into the truck, but that's part of being an adult, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, getting
1: there. I 100%. 100% feel you. I, uh, I'm building a carport and shed at home at the moment. And because I'm a steel fabricator, I'm like, oh, I'll do it myself. And it's going to be bigger and stronger. And, you know, I'm probably 10 grand into that at the moment. It doesn't have a slab and it doesn't have any walls. And we just finished putting the roof on it. And it's like, yep, that would have paid for all my suspension and airbags. And <laughs> but that's, that's not reality of life. Reality of life is that, you, you know, you got to build your house and, look after your family and do all that stuff so that's awesome all right so at shed yeah on instagram uh by the time this is released on the weekend there'll be some pictures yeah. on there
0: yeah yeah i was trying to come up with some cool logo to have as the main thing and i just i don't have time for that so i'll just put a picture of the truck or something and and just start tr- just putting some photos on there if anyone's interested in it and and mainly just probably just put a bunch of stuff that I've been building in my shed as, as a bit of a theme for whenever I'm working in the shed. It's, it's like, shit, yeah, finally getting some stuff done. So that was like my PG way of <laughs> putting it.
1: That's awesome. All right, mate. Well, thanks for catching up with us. Um, good luck with the rest of the build. We're definitely going to keep an eye on you and keep following it. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, in a couple of years time, we'll, we'll see it on the road.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll be episode one thousand and forty-six. <laughs> no oh, Thanks for having me. Cheers. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I
1: hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.